Welcome to the Idea Climbing Podcast. In this episode, we discuss how to share your big ideas with the world. My guest is Richard Mulholland, the founder of presentation powerhouse Missing Link. During our discussion, we examine idea hunters and idea gatherers, how to capture small ideas and combine them to create big ideas, how to amplify your big ideas so you can share them with the world, and other golden nuggets of advice. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you for being here, Richard. I appreciate you taking the time. Mark, it is awesome to be with you. A real privilege. And I'm really looking forward to this conversation today because with the podcast being idea climbing and about bringing big ideas to life, you brought up something that I haven't heard before, and that is idea hunters and idea gatherers. Could you speak more to that? Right, so I was having a, a discussion with my son one day, and we are not a particularly religious family. And he was asking me, you know, you know, do you think there'd be value if you went back in time? And maybe would you consider, you know, do you, if you could end religion for a period, would you? And I was like, no, I think it's a terrible idea. And wh what we were talking about is the origins of belief. And it came from people trying to ask meaningful questions. So, so way back when there would be somebody in a tribe of, of you know, original homo sapiens and somebody would have looked up and, and wondered where the stars came from and they needed an answer, like, what are those things? And they decided, well, those things must be, and they went hunting for an idea. They figured, well, you've not given me much, but I'm going to look at this and I'm going to create a hypothesis of what this could all mean. And they created a deity and then there was like a thunder and it was another deity and it was something else, it was another deity. These were explorers, these original shamans would have been the the ceo of apple today you know this would have been what they were because they were looking for answers in the world and 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 trying to come up with something and then there was the idea gatherers the idea gatherers were looking up at the world they were also seeing the stars but then they were thinking well i don't know what that is and then the shaman came back in and said you know what it is it's this mysterious deity and when it's angry it shouts at you and that's thunder and they were like sounds legit and they wanted answers but they were happy to to receive them and I realize I look around and often I can perceive that I can broadly see that there are two groups of humans. Uh, all people have questions. Some people want to hunt the answers and some people want to gather the answers. Some people want to accept the information that's presented to them because it fits their current worldview. And other people want to go out there and question everything until they find an answer that sounds right for themselves. And I found that there is an intersection between those people and creativity in general. The, those people and the people who tend to be inventors and entrepreneurs is that it's a curiosity that drives them towards something. And I realized quite early on that I was something of an idea hunter. And I, there are areas, by the way, where I'm an idea gatherer, areas of other people's authority. I don't really understand anything about the field of medicine. So I'm very, very happy to take cues from other people who are smarter in that area. So I believe that there's got to be areas of your life where you're accepting where you gather content from. It doesn't mean that you should accept ideas uh, without question. And then there are areas where you decide that this area, I want to be the hunter. I'm going to go out and in my area of authority, in my case, it happens to be, say, speaking and communication. I want to be the authority in that subject. I'm going to be the idea hunter that's got the ideas to share with you. And then in perhaps the conversation around podcasting and how to engage with the audience in this medium, I'm going to help gather from you. Does that make any sense? That, that makes a lot of sense. It sounds like if picking the things that you 
actively are doing with your business, you do idea hunting and things that you're kind of interested in, like you mentioned medicine or maybe it's science, that would be the gathering side. Is that correct? To a degree. Well, I guess the things I'm not interested in at all, uh, I would gather. I would accept. I, I'm not into cars. It's not, it doesn't have to be a thing for me. So I kind of just accept that, you know, somebody's done the work on these cars and they'll give them to me and that'll be, you know, I'll, I'll assume that it works. It's, there's no real curiosity for me, for me to spend any bandwidth understanding cars. Uh, politics, the coronavirus. I realized early on in this crisis that there was literally nothing that politics could do to help me keep my business afloat in March when live events were canceled. So I, I turned off my interest in that subject. Uh, the coronavirus, I realized, wow, that's just a distraction. I'm not actually curious. I know there's no amount of curiosity from my side is going to make me come up with a cure for COVID-19. Uh, but I could potentially come up with a cure for uh, the, the fallout of COVID-19, you know, attacking my business. And I mean, we ended up going from revenue zero to our best revenue in 23 years uh, this year. So like uh, that was what I focused on. I became a hunter in the areas that I cared about. However, there's a lot of people who care about topics, but they still only gather. I've met a lot of entrepreneurs that they are in an industry, they're running a business, but they're not curious enough about what it could look like going forward. And I think that's problematic. Did you just... When did you discover this? I mean, is it something you read about that someone share it with you? Did you cr create those terms on your own? Yeah, I mean, the, the term, funny enough, I can, I'll never, the conversation happened just in the, in the room around the corner there. And I, that was where I, I was trying to explain to him why these people that he felt maybe created something that could have done some harm in the world were actually really, really great because they were simply the people out there seeking better, they were asking better questions and seeking more meaningful answers. And that should always be celebrated. Those people should always be celebrated. The answer they came up with, he may not agree with now with his current lens. However, it's important to note that those people, uh, what they came up with was the best potential, most intelligent, smart answer. And in fact, it's such an amazing leap that they got there, given the amount of data that they were given. The idea that you would go from, we're all just here, to there must be something bigger, is actually quite astronomical that somebody got there. And search yeah. for something bigger? Yeah, the idea that, that somebody was like, well, um, in absence of more evidence, there must be something that I don't understand at play here. That thing must be bigger, and it must be sentient to some degree. And and to create the idea of a deity or a god or an, is, is, when you think about it, in absence of that concept existing, to add that concept, it's like your dog or your cat. Like I've got a cat there. That cat will never live in a world in which I don't exist, right? It's born into a world in which I exist. And you know, with, I hate to say this because I like my cat, but with any luck, uh, she'll go before I do. And uh, you know, for her, that we're just a constant, like the, the world does not exist without me walking there. For her to consider some sort of existence beyond that, that worldview would be next to impossible to perceive. But way back when, somebody perceived that themselves. And I, and I think that's quite, and that, that took a degree of, of ruthless curiosity. Like there has to be something, there has to be an explanation. So somebody was seeking an explanation to a meaningful question. And I think the problem is not the answers that we accept, it's the questions that we ask. And I think the, the path to being a great hunter is to have better questions. Your, your, your questions are your arrows. Uh, I, I love that term, ruthless curiosity. That just brings so much. It, it paints a picture. 
Totally. I think we must be with this curiosity. I mean, I've got on my arm there, it says, reclaim yourself, question everything. Like you have to question things. It's a terrible tattoo. I mean, my wife wouldn't even look at it. I have to, <laughs> that was definitely the heart of my punk rock days. She's like, that thing is horrific. It's so punk rock. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you mentioned hunting and gathering ideas. And then you mentioned there's a point where you trap an idea. And then you have to unleash it. Well, not have to, but you should unleash it to the world. And that's also part of what you do for a living. You explain that. Because I think keeping I think, an idea to yourself is no good. My old business partner is a guy by the name of Don Packett. And uh, he, I named the concept, but he certainly made me understand it. And he came up with it. He started years ago. It was actually quite interesting. A stand-up comedian arrived at our event, a guy at our company, a guy by the name of John Flissman. a very, very well-known South African comedian. And Don snuck out after he did a session for our staff and said, I want to do a comedy gig. How do I get started? And, and um, John took out his phone and said, cool, I've just added you to the bill for two weeks Sunday. Arrive and be funny. So he had a deadline. Don had to write this material. Didn't tell anybody about it until the day before we went and watched him. And Don started doing comedy and he's, he still does it on occasion now. And uh, what happened was he realized that he needed to, to trap the funny things he saw in the world. And we own a notebook business called Human Rights. And we give, you know, for every book we sell, we give away books to kids. And so we have this small little one and he put it in his pocket. And what he realized is a strange thing is in the morning when he started putting the comedy book in his pocket, it, he would start realizing because he had a place to catch comedy at this notebook that only existed for funny jokes, ideas. As soon as he had a place to put it, he started noticing things in the world. It's like when you buy a new car and then you notice those, you know, that car everywhere. So just because in the morning, the act of taking this little book and popping it in his pocket created essentially an idea trap for comedy. And I realized this and I'm a public speaker and I thought, hey, there's something to that. So I started creating when I would write a talk or when I would be booked for something and I wanted to write some material, I started creating intentional places to trap ideas. And as soon as the trap existed, the, the ideas started presenting themselves because I was like, oh my God, this would be amazing. So for example, I'm doing, I'm writing a new talk at the moment on the permissions we've been given in 2020. So 2020 has given us a bunch of permissions to do certain behaviors that we didn't have last year. Now that I have this talk called permissions, now I see things I'm like, that's a permission. That's something that I've been given this year. And I added to my idea trap. And technology has now caught up to the point where there's, uh, I use the tool Rome Research, which is, to me, it's, it's not artificial intelligence, it's augmented intelligence. It has augmented my intelligence, and I'm able to tag and backlink any idea. So in 10 years from now, if I'm looking for a concept on a topic, I now try and trap ideas and curate a library of thought that future me will be able to find. So when I have an idea, I don't think, what can I do with it? I think, what will a future version of me be searching for one day in which this idea, like I want to look back and say, thank you, Pastor Richard. That is amazing. What a legend. Because I have packaged an idea so perfectly that one day when I get hired by somebody to do a talk on a topic, and I'm like, oh, I've only had information on knitting. And I'm like, I have information on knitting. And then it would come back up. Like I, I trapped one idea this morning. And I, I don't know, I don't know exactly what it's for, but the hashtag I did was haters. And the idea was that Elvis's manager monetized 
the haters. He realized Elvis has two groups, the people who love him, the people who hate him. And he hated he was only making money off half. So he monetized the other half by selling I hate Elvis badges. I mean, oh, how genius on. is that? How genius is that? And uh, so I don't know what it is, but I've tagged it as haters. And after this, so I just got it on my last call. I'm going to add more things into my idea trap so that one day when I'm writing a talk, it could be about Elvis. It could be about monetization. It could be about polarization. It could be around haters. I now have a cool bit of content with a link that I can share in that, in that talk. So that was quite a long answer. I hope I didn't go too over, but does it make sense to you this? Oh, that makes, that makes perfect sense. And it also gives a little bit of insight. What I'm thinking is public speakers could use it. So then it's not as an arduous process. So if I got hired to do a talk, now I'm starting with a blank page. You're starting with an, a book, an idea trap of a bunch of ideas to draw from. So that would help them. And then if, tell me if I'm right as far as in the business world, if a startup wants to get funding and they think about you know, what their strengths are, oh, I have an idea for this, I have an idea for this. I think it sounds like that could be used for a variety of presentations, not just professional speakers. Oh, totally. So professional speaking for me isn't a job. Professional speak for speaking for me is a, as an entrepreneur, as a marketing department. Uh, I get paid for my talk, but I get paid more from my talk. So, uh, for example, I, I talk about myself about speaking, but yesterday the talk I delivered was a pitch for a, a, a big body of work. When you are, I don't, I cannot see any instance where a person in control, I don't see any instance in which any human being should not have an effective trap for their ideas. It's amazing how often you go and you watch a great documentary or a TED talk. When you watch a TED talk, you watch and you think it's great. When I watch a TED talk, I have a whole uh, process built out for what ideas do I want to trap? What do I want to steal? What did I like about how they presented? What do I not like? Uh, and this informs not just me doing another talk. It informs me running my business. It informs me writing my books. It informs me chatting to my kids. It informs the way I, I play games. It informs every aspect of my life because I'm intentional about filtering the information I receive and retaining some of it. So most of us, the thing, the areas in our life in which we gather ideas, and it's often, you know, five or six gathered ideas that help form the basis of a hunted idea you use, lose later. I'm not making things up from scratch. I'm taking other data points and then I'm, I'm forming those and then creating a hypothesis around that. But most people don't have a mechanism for retaining the information that they receive. And I think that's problematic. So right now, there's people and they're listening to the show and hopefully they're enjoying something about it and they're driving in their car and they think, this is pretty cool. And then one idea they may remember later, a well-packaged microscript like a hunter, uh, you know, hunter and a gatherer, but a lot of it would be lost because perhaps they haven't stopped to write down the name of something. And, and I do that all the time and, and I realize it's broken and I want to get better at it. So I've created a process to train myself to get better at retaining core ideas and, and putting traps so that I can recall the information when future me needs it. I think everyone can relate to that. They hear an idea, they're TED Talk, they're driving, they're listening to a podcast, and they just say, oh, I'll remember that. And then right. two hours later, it's, what was that idea? But the trap solved that problem, would that be correct? Absolutely. And we need to change the way we see who we are now. Um, you need to start seeing yourself as uh, different humans. You know, there's that thing that the cells in your body replace after every, you know, whatever it is, seven, 10 years, whatever the case may be. Uh, you are a fundamentally different human being 10 years from now than you were now and act accordingly. 
I believe that the way I think about myself and my life is that I'm in a relay race. And all that I am right now is the version of me that happens to have the baton. The job for me is not to win the race. The job for me is to set up the person ahead of me to get off to a better start. And trapping the ideas and concepts that you've created in your head, do that. And if you can find a better way to, to do that or to trap those ideas, you'll be in better shape. Most people don't do that. They think that the current version of themselves is the star of the show. If the current version of yourself is the star of the show, the future version of yourself is going to be dealing with depression. If the 18-year-old version of you is the star of your life, right, then the 46-year-old version of you is going to look back and spend the last, you know, what have I done with the last 28 years of my life or whatever the case may be. So I always want to be curating a better experience. And I always want to assume that the cover of the book about my life, the photograph on the cover of the book of my life has yet to be taken. I, I don't want, to, I would be depressed to, th to think that the, the, the photograph that is the, the cover of my book, that moment of my life that was the most significant will already have been taken. I want it to be somewhere in the future. I want the 60 year old version of me to do something incredible. And so I'm curating for that person's experience. That is so amazingly insightful and counterintuitive to what so many classes of speakers and books tell you. I don't know how many times I've heard you are the star of your show, you know, you get, you're, the, you're the one on stage. I've never heard it explained that way. Right. You're the best supporting actor for the star of your show and the star of your show has yet to make an entrance. The star of the show is a future version of you. The star of the show is the version of you in act three, but you're not in act three yet. Right. And for all intents and purposes, for the for the most part, at any given time, every single day when you wake up and you walk out on stage, you're back in act one. And every single day in act one, you're trying to plant things in act one. You know, that statement that says, you know, you plant a gun in act one, they'll be fired in act three or if a gun is shown in act one. And that's how you have to see yourself. So how would act one me be behaving today in order for act three me to be the star of the show? Uh, the idea that you think of the current version of yourself as the, I mean, and it's not to say that you shouldn't give the performance of your life in act one, right? The better you do now, the better set you are to go forward. But we should be curating a better, ver we should be creating a better experience for the future version of ourselves. And you've got to change like, so, because so often people trade current happiness for future happiness. Or we, so we, we say, well, I'm going to do this now. I'm going to, I'm going to buy, uh, you know, this, whatever rubbish I happen to buy next, because I buy a lot of crap. I'm going to buy this fancy keyboard that looks remarkably like this other fancy keyboard that I have right here, uh, just because it, it synchronizes with my mouse. And instead of that's instead of buying Apple shares and those Apple shares would have had future me do better. So I do try to think better about, and it's not just money and investment, but there's a compound interest on, on effort as well. So effort we give right now has a compound dividend later on. And it's even in small things. I, like the, the one example I give to people is when you're going to bed at night and in, or like when you finish exercising in the morning. So I exercise in the morning. I finish exercising and I just want to jump in the shower. So I kick off my shoes and I don't untie the laces. The next morning, tired me who wakes up early to go and put on my gym clothes to start exercising has to untie those laces in the dark and tired me thinks awake uh, me yesterday as an asshole because I didn't untie the lace. Or you're driving home from work and you know you need to stop for gas, but you're tired, it's been a long day. So you're like, you know what? I'll rather just do it in the morning. 
And then future you wakes up in the morning, is driving to work, is running late, has a big client meeting, and future you has to stop and get gas and thinks, yesterday me was an asshole because he didn't do it. And so I try as much as possible, but I'm really bad because I like things, uh, curate a better experience for the future version of myself. And as part of that better experience, once you've done the hunting, the gathering, the trapping ideas, if you start to coalesce, put them together with an, and get a formulated idea, one way to do it is speaking. How can you set yourself up to amplify that idea? Because without, if it, no one hears it, it doesn't matter how good it is. So I believe that you have, yes, we're curating an experience for future versions of ourselves, but I think when we have good ideas and, and good thoughts and, and all of us in our fields, we should be narrowing down the area of our authority. We should be getting to a pointy end of the stick, somewhere where we start figuring out parts of our industry or that, that other people haven't figured out. When you get there and you start thinking about that, the only way for you to scale the impact of your authority is to find out a way to unleash that idea on the world. Now, this is exactly what you're doing with your show, is you have certain hypotheses you know, that you're working through and you're curating guests and part of your process is making sure that you curate guests that are going to help get you closer to X. And this is how you are now unleashing the core idea on the world. I do it, I happen to do it through public speaking. It's, I believe that there's a high amount of authority to be gained from a stage, whether it's a live stage or an online stage, people just see you in high authority from there. So I think stage marketing is, is a really, really great place to be. But it could be a book or it could be a blog post. Uh, what it probably isn't is a quick Facebook one-liner with a link to a video. It's probably something more than that. And I think we need to find ways to amplify our ideas and to unleash them on the world. Otherwise, they're just, they're just regrets. The world, the amazing ideas that you have and that you've had throughout your life, those businesses that you knew would be amazing, but you didn't bother starting. And somebody else became a billionaire within the back of the idea that you had years ago. That's just regret. And I think that we owe it to the world to throw our ideas, even the crappy ones out there, uh, to, give us, to give our good ones a chance of survival. And with bringing a big idea, bringing a big idea to life, bringing it to the world and closing, if someone says, look, it, I love, I love what, what you've said, I'm busy. I only have time to do these one or two things, whether it's something we talked about to reiterate or something we haven't touched on. What would you say, look, it, if you're that busy, at least do this. If there's only one thing you could do as a result of this conversation, it would be decide in which sphere, in, in the clan of your life, there's one area in which you're going to be the hunter. There's one area in which in one aspect of your life, it could be about being a parent, it could be about in your hobby, it could be about in a part of your business or within your field. Decide the area in which you're going to become the idea hunter. Decide the area where you're going to stop accepting other people's ideas and decide to be the person creating the ideas from the curation of the other concepts. If that's all you get from today, if the only thing is today is you sit down there and tomorrow morning you have an area, today I will hunt ideas in the field of and you add that one line to your morning ritual. Today, I will hunt ideas in the field of and decide where. If that's the only decision you make today, then this will be 30 minutes of your life that will be worthwhile. Uh, from there, everything will begin because as you start hunting ideas, you will become passionate about making sure you don't lose them. And as you not lost them now, and they, they take shape and form, 
then you will become more and more passionate about this idea that is your own, that you will want to unleash it on the world. And then you, like you or me, will go out there and seek to find the medium to do that. Excellent. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Awesome. My pleasure. Thank you. And if someone wants to find you online, what's the best, where's the best place to go to find you? Uh, to, to get in touch with me personally, if you go to getrich.af, uh, then you will find a link to all my social media platforms and things, my website, and you can and get involved there. Uh, I would suggest that probably LinkedIn or Twitter would be the two places where I'm, I speak the most. On Facebook, I basically go once a week or something. But yeah, LinkedIn or, or, or Twitter. And then for my business, if you want to see what it is we do, if you go to ineedmissinglink.com, you'll find our business. And within there, there's links to the various programs, including Story to Stage, which is our public speaking program to help people get their ideas out in the world. So if you're already a hunter, you've already found your ideas and you're ready to unleash them, then I'd love to help you do that. Excellent. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I also hope that you'll subscribe to the Idea Climbing podcast and rate us on iTunes. Visit ideaclimbing.com to learn more about idea climbing and hear more episodes about mentoring, marketing, and big ideas.